0: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, a Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. The Civil War is a big <laughs> event in the history of, of the country. Um, I used, I went through a Civil War phase. I think that's, that's, I've run into many people who've gone through Civil War history phases, especially if you were history majors, you kind of, in the United States, you kind of have to run through that. Um, I have my my family goes back in some ways on both sides. I have members of my family who fought in the Union, fought in the Confederacy. But one of the unique aspects of the Civil War is that a lot of the battles, the the big battles, have different names. Depending on what part of the country you are from. Starting with one of the very first battles of the war. um, The Battle of Manassas, if you are um, from the south. Or the Battle of Bull Run, if you are from the north. The, the Northern Army, the U.S. Army, had a, a naming uh, custom of naming battles after a geographic feature of like a river or um, a lake or something like that, whereas the South named battles after towns or especially churches nearby. So Manassas was a, was a town near where the battle took place. Bull Run was a little creek near where the battle took place took place and yet um you know depending on where you were in the country or where you are from you referred to it in in that that way shiloh the battle of shiloh one of the bloodiest battles of the civil war uh, was uh, has had two different names um in the south it's referred to shiloh because there was a little methodist church near where the battle took place and in the north it was known as pittsboro landing there's a lot of these antietam was another battle in, in Maryland in Antietam or Sharpsburg in the South. It was like Antietam in the north or Sharpsburg in the South. And those kind of different different naming systems. And sometimes, you know, if you're in a in a conversation with a, a Civil War aficionado, you can you can make a little hey like, oh you can refer to it as Pittsburgh Landing or as Shiloh. Oh, is that Antietam or or Sharpsburg? Hmm. What does that mean? What is going on behind? My brothers and sisters, we are continuing our series on welcome, looking at these, these, this brief passage of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, Matthew 10, 40, 41 and 42, we're on verse 41b, 41b, and so we're just digging into this, this little bit of scripture and trying to expand it and understand how it can really apply to where we are today. And the, the reading for today, Matthew 10, 41b, is, whoever welcomes a righteous person Receives a righteous person's reward. Now, that word "righteous" has a you know has a weight in our culture. And the funny thing about the word that is translated as "righteous" is it's the exact same word that is translated as "justice." Uh, it's a Greek word, uh, diakosunai, diakosunai. Um You don't have to remember that. It's just it's important to remember in general. But kind of like Manassas or Bull Run, if you're talking about justice or righteousness usually in English we think that you are talking about something differently We need to remember that the languages of the Bible were languages that people did stuff with they, they made things they built things they, they ordered things a lot of the Old Testament is how to build how to build a temple or how to build the tabernacle and its dimensions and construction techniques and engineers in the ancient world, they, they paid attention to how to build things. That's why there are so many ancient structures that are still standing today. And an important thing when you're building a building is to make sure it's, it's framed square, that it's upright, whether you're using wood or stone or brick or anything. You need it to be square if it's going to stand. If you have a building that's a little askance, it's not going to stand that well unless it's in Pisa, Italy. But... It's really important, and that's what, when we think, talk about justice and righteousness, we go back to that root of construction. A justified wall, a justified building, a right-standing building, it's something that's standing upright. It's not like that, it's not like that. A painting that is, that is square, and how important that is, and how some of us, are. we look at a, at a crooked painting. And it it bothers us. There's something interior to that that is is troubling. Righteousness and justice at its root are about making things straight and square so that they can stand as they should, so that they can be as they should. Justice, in the biblical sense, is not at its root about a judge or or lawyers or trials and things like that. It's at its root about building a house about building the house of God in this world, about building the kingdom of God in this world. One of the most famous uh, verses in the Bible from the Old Testament, especially, is Micah 6, 8. Hear, O Israel, what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Doing justice, again, we, we need to start at its basis. Doing justice is not doing something radically different from other aspects of life. It is making life straighter and realizing in order to do justice in this world, it's not just about my house and my family, but making sure the world is straight, is following where it should go, is standing upright and square. The word in Hebrew is tzedek, and it has the same kind of connotation um, of justice and righteousness. And that's why it kind of is, is translated sometimes in different ways. Sometimes, you know, Micah 6, 8 is translated as to be righteous or, or to, to love righteousness in that kind of sense. And it, it's coming from the same word, but we, we need to realize that sometimes these words that are translated from the Bible mean different things to us. As well, that they can be abused in our world today and filled with this ideological baggage that keeps us from understanding what Jesus is asking of us. You know, sometimes, especially in the South, I think there's a a tense of watching out for people who are self-righteous, who are full of themselves. You know, self-righteousness of this idea, especially with with Christians. There's a danger of being self-righteous, of thinking that we have it all figured out, or of acting that we do even if sometimes we don't say it and there, there's a hesitation about that self-righteousness is actually pretty contrary to what the righteousness Jesus is talking about you know he never he never upholds the self-righteous that's almost one of the worst things that you can possibly be it's a distortion of the good news of Jesus Christ the good news of Jesus Christ that begins that, that you are forgiven that you are loved but also that you are not the center of the world. You are not the king of the world. Everyone around you is not your servant. Instead, to live fully in this world, to live the kind of life that God has offered to you is to be a servant to the people in your life, to seek their justice, to seek their righteousness. What does it mean to live a righteous life in this world? What does it mean to see ourselves? as righteous, or see ourselves on the journey towards righteousness? What does it mean to live a just life in this world, to see ourselves as just or on on the journey towards justice? I think this is, it begins with the, the understanding that in some ways, the world is off kilter. The world is not standing as it should. There is brokenness in this world. There's a need for a savior in this world. We are in need of a savior in this world. Not just us, but the people around us are in need of a savior in this world. There is brokenness. There is hurt. There is heartache. There is crying and gnashing of teeth in that biblical language. There's some people who talk about justice a lot. They talk about, about social justice a lot, and it is very important to them. They lift it up as, as a central virtue in their life. There's other people, especially very online people, who see social justice as something that is, is not, is just misguided in general. And talk about SJWs or social justice warriors um, as a kind of like belittling term in a way that misses out on what is, what is the justice that God is seeking. Not the justice that the people around us claim, not the justice that is marketed not the kind of um, justice that is put on brand advertisements of like, look how just Nike is this week. Or look how just Coca-Cola is this week. Jesus is not a big marketer. you know. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, Jesus tells people, don't say anything about me. Don't share about me. Don't do this. It's, it's important to not... Because Jesus knows that, that words can be distorted quickly and the more things spread beyond the concrete reality of Christ's love, the more it can be distorted. We all have experienced that at different points in our life and in our faith of the ways that the the message of Jesus has been distorted, has been compromised and used. Many of us have experienced ways that our own words have been distorted and we have said something and people heard a completely different thing and how hard it is to overcome that. These words that can be so filled with ideology that almost sometimes it feels like we should just let them go. There's a lot of ideology throughout the Bibles and a lot of ways of words. There's this one um, passage in the book of Judges that I think is so, so fascinating, especially relevant to this idea of justice or righteousness, especially because some people may be more comfortable with justice than righteousness, and others may be more comfortable talking about righteousness than than justice. But there's this passage about um, a tribe of, of Israel that's right on the border of the Jordan and they pronounce words differently. And there's another there's another tribe on the other side of the river and one side says Shibboleth and the other side says Sibboleth. And it tells in, in the story of the judges, it says to the guards, ask them to say the word Shibboleth, to pronounce it. And if they say Sibboleth you'll know they're from the other side. And they're our enemy, but if they say shibboleth, they we you know that they live here and they're a part of our people. So a shibboleth is a word that's kind of like a litmus test of sorts. That it's like you're going to test them. Okay, you said this word. All right, now I think you're on my side. I think that happens a lot in in churches when people are visiting churches. They're kind of listening for different shibboleths. Okay, what is this? What is this church about? What do they really believe? Not what do they say they believe. What do they really believe? I think that's, you know, in all honesty, what, what people listen to with a new pastor. It's like looking for, listening for, what are the words that they say? What are the shibboleths that's going to know that they see God in a way that I see God or I can listen to them or I can trust them or or th- what that can mean. But I want to get back to the passage for today. Whoever welcomes the righteous person receives righteous person's reward and how amazing it is that jesus here does not call us you must be righteous but you should welcome the righteous person in your life you should welcome the just person in your life and in so doing you will receive their reward you will receive god's blessings for that that the first step of justice is not to wake up one day and be perfect yourself or to do all the things or to make all the phone calls or to feed all the people, or to clothe all those who are in need, but to welcome justice into your home, to welcome righteousness into your home, to admit to yourself and to your family that that is something worth seeking. And God will honor that. This season, this season, it's a a hard time to go out. It's a hard time to go out and, and meet people and serve people in familiar ways but it can be a time of building our faith a time of truly testing our faith our faith in the god who offers us our daily bread of the god who offers and says that his justice is coming that god's justice is coming that in this time when our world does not seem normal or standard, when so many institutions seem off-kilter, and when it seems like it is so hard to do anything about it, the first thing that we can do to welcome the justice person into our heart is to have faith in the God who is sending that justice, is to have more faith in Christ's love than we did before that we are not alone, that you are not alone. And the people around us in our community who are hurting this time are not alone. When I was ordained as an elder in the United Methodist Church, I was asked a number of questions, including one that was, are you going on to perfection in this lifetime? And I said, I said, yes. And I said, yes, boldly. Um, A lot of people chuckle at that question. (laughs) Perfection, who's going to be perfect? And Christian perfection is not about like, Um, never swearing or never sinning. I think the heart of Christian perfection is that I believe more in God's love than my sin. I believe God's love is more powerful than my sin. That there is nothing I can do that is more powerful than God's love for me. And so I should stop trying to do those things that are against God's love for me and start trying to do those things that are with God's love and I can work cooperatively with the Holy Spirit who is here with us. And this is how we begin to do justice in our community by welcoming God's righteousness into our home, by welcoming righteousness as a goal, by welcoming following God as a goal. Following God not as something that's like a good idea to, to give, you know, to tell our kids or a good idea to have nice neighbors, but that's honestly and honestly what we seek. Because God's love is greater than our sin. God's perfection is greater than our imperfection. And we are perfected in God. We are completed in God. We are made full in God. And that fullness and flourishing is offered not just to us, but to others. When we think it's just offered to us, that's when self-righteousness takes place. That's when those misunderstandings of God's justice takes place. When we think God's justice is just for us or people like us, we misunderstand what Jesus is saying and God is offering, that God's self-offering to us is total and for all, and we can be a part of that. And so, my brothers and sisters, at this time, in this season, I encourage you to, to grow in your faith, to grow in your faith through prayer, through giving, through fasting, through all of these practices to welcome righteousness as a goal. How am I being righteous today? How can I be righteous today? How can I seek justice today? How can I make something in my world a little more upright? How can I make my community a little more upright? God isn't calling us to change the world. God already did that. God is calling us to be a part of what is going on around us. This world is broken and God is making it right. And we are offered a chance to participate in God's righteousness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.